read something to you. I'm going to do a, uh, this. This is the beginning of, of, I think, a few Sundays. In a way, I believe I call it identification, but I think we're going to first learn the, the intercession of Jesus. Uh, this thing's for all of us. I hope today that everyone will be empowered to go home and through the day this week begin to do mighty deliverance with Jesus in the earth today. It always is about one person who responds. Then multiple people responding individually till it becomes a company. So I hope to equip everyone in that way. But to do so, a lot of things get set in motion. Mostly what I'm sharing has been the last 12 years of learning on my behalf, and I'm a very slow learner, so I trust you won't take as long. But um, so I'm, I will be referencing in the weeks and days to come my failings and shortcomings, and that was after about 12 years of just being stymied, shut down, grief and sorrow, loss, not knowing how to go forward. But in these last 12 years, the Lord's taught a lot. I wrote this. Uh, he ever lives to make intercession for us. I found it searching my notes. That's why I keep all my notes now on my phone. Uh, it's the only thing I keep on the iCloud that I really care about. I don't, I don't want to lose it. But I was, you can type in there, and every word will pop up. And all of a sudden, I found this. I wrote this in uh, November the 8th, 2020. So like five days after the election. And I'm going to read portions of it because it's um, five times, and I'll, we won't get into a lot of this, but it's worth, I'll put it into a secret place, not this Tuesday, but the following, because this, this Tuesday is already written. Five times in the New Testament, intercession is used. Three times it's in the positive, and two times in the negative. In the positive, it refers to Jesus twice and to the Holy Spirit once. In the negative, it refers to the Sanhedrin once and to Elijah once. Intercession has the idea of impingement. It's to intersect. It is used in the Old Testament more often to kill someone than it is to deliver someone. But it's an act. And uh, it's what our Lord is doing daily. It's his day job now. He ever lives to make intercession. He wants to impinge. He wants to interject. He wants to intersect. And when you feel that sound of his voice, you know that, hey, I better pay attention. My, 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 my Lord is speaking. And something starts to change. Uh, we won't go to the negative. We'll do that later because there's a lot. But, it, but the positive is God. The negative is man. God speaks from the sun. We speak from what we see and what we've been through and what's happened to us. And those things will affect how we see things. If I've been hurt, I will see through hurt, and so forth and so on. So an intercessor, now I'm just going to read again. This is uh, an intercessor holds a place inside a gap, holding God's promises in fulfillment, keeping God's grace through Jesus in place. An intercessor holds forgiveness where the offense is, and grace where sin abounds. Intercessors bring Christ's victory over the failures and sins of man. An intercessor speaks Christ's completion. An intercessor is never a gap finder, but a gap filler. An intercessor is never against, but always for God's will and ability. An intercessor agrees with Christ over those separated from Christ. To intercede against is to lay a case of the obvious and negative. To intercede for or over is to lay the promise of Christ and his payment in full. They are yours, Lord Jesus. To intercede against is to expose your father's nakedness, Ham, did this with his father Noah after he had become drunk and he discovered him in a place and he went and told his brothers. To intercede for or over is to place a covering between the two shoulders of two sons and walk in backwards, not looking at their father's nakedness, instead laying the covering over his nakedness, 
thereby restoring honor and bringing blessing. This was Shem and Japheth. So when they heard the accusation against their father by, by Ham, they took a blanket. One held it on this shoulder, the other held it on this shoulder. And so it's like, now spread down. And they walked into the tent and they put it over their father, never looking, but just covering. And then when they were done, they walked out. Abram, Noah woke up and knew what happened. And so he cursed him for exposing and he blessed Jephthah and Shem. That's uh, intercession. God is not charging us, excuse me, God is not changing us for us. He is changing us for himself. To live with him for eternity. To be conformed to the image of his son. Intercessors are not directors and certainly not accusers. They are to stand in the gap and proclaim Jesus. His victory, his forgiveness. So this is a word that the Lord gave. I don't remember where I was when I heard it, but I can tell you that I have the date. It was the 8th of November of 2020 and been living in this growing sound for these last three years. Now, to, now may I uh, bring you back to another, back to my notes from this week. I'm going to share a few things just to help give co context to where we are. We are at war. We're not in the nation of war, but thanks God we have stood in covenant with the nation of Israel in their war. And the pressure and intensity and war of words, we talked about that last week. It's all about words right now. It's a big battle with Goliath and all of those things. Uh, and I'm going to share about four verses and then mention the first act of intercession Jesus acted out and why that was mistaken and what I believe is about to happen for Israel to see and then how we can ourselves be successful. You don't have to... Uh, I've been in intercession when the Spirit's moving. There's a, there's a readiness to place yourself in the gap and you set yourself there. But if it's not done inside of Christ with His Word, you, you pretty much get trampled underfoot later. And then your soul is... My soul. My soul went through massive rejection going, Lord, if I gave myself so wholly to you at this moment, why did you allow this to happen to me? Well, it's not because he allowed it to happen to me. I didn't know how to hold my place in the word. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to allow Jesus to be my defense and to hold his name and to have scriptures. I, I've learned a lot. It could take me 20 plus years. But I want to share a few ways to do it. I'll give you about five verses, five chapters, or yeah, five things. But let me, let me put something in perspective. I know we are praying and interceding. God's Abraham's last prayer before he received circumcision in Isaac was, let Ishmael stand before you. Ishmael's 12 princes, of much of the Arab world, Moab and Ammon, Mount Seir, much of the world, and they are loved by God and they are to call them, come, come into sonship. That's, God wants that. And so, but what we're dealing with, or what Israel's dealing with, is not the Palestinian people that live in Gaza. It's the city underneath Gaza. And the problem about the city underneath Gaza, it was never built for the benefit of the people above on the ground. So Israel has said, we're going to send the Navy, we're going to send the Air Force, we're going to send uh, the, the infantry. They have to also go into the tunnels. Now, Gaza is a very small place. I was using my, my map and kind of sorting out some ways of explaining it. It's 25 miles long. And it's along the coast. At, at some points, it's four miles wide at the furthest place, which is right in the middle of the belly of the, of the nation toward the south. It's uh, eight miles. It's a total of only 100 and, 141 square feet. Square miles, square miles. Thank you. A way to picture it. I was trying to think, oh, how? Because we live here, so what could I picture? If we were... Um, if we, if Jubilee Church right here, this was the northeast corner, which is the part where Israel is now dealing with is the north. And 
we were to uh, get on the freeway and take the 101, and we came to Calabasas, we would now hit the southern border. If we were to get on from Calabasas and fly, as they used to say, as the crow flies straight, we would hit Malibu, and that would be the western side. And then if we were to go up the coast to Magoo uh, Naval Base and come back across, we would be, that's larger than Gaza, but it's a good picture. But there's no mountains in Gaza. I've been there, not inside, but I was at the Egyptian. Well, in 2015, we did a trip all the way around Israel and prayed at all the borders for such a thing as what's happening now against that from happening then. But if you were to, it's, it's flat. If you, if you were to go another way, say we went from here, uh, from Jubilee, and we went north on the 101. We would go past Ventura, but not all the way to Santa Barbara. We would get off that beautiful coast that we call the 101, the one, the, and along the Rincon, and we would come to Faria Beach Park, which is a Ventura County park that's halfway between uh, the next place we get back on the freeway and when you got off the freeway. If you were to uh, try to sort out the depth of the you would go to uh, Victoria. If you know, if you go to Ventura and you get off of Victoria, there's, you just pass the Ventura Auto uh, dealers. From that place, right there at the freeway, uh, Ventura Auto, and you were to go straight to the ocean, to like the Ventura Marina, just right down Olivas, a derby. You would be, that'd be the width of this entire place, okay? So it's very small. Some, now, here's the thing that's going to just change your understanding or give it changed my, it, it actually, I had to check it out a few times, make sure it wasn't just somebody coming up with a, uh, this is an Israel uh, IDF reports. They say in, underneath Israel, Gaza, and that just help us to learn to pray, there's a pro estimated 1,300 tunnels, 1,300 tunnels. And of the 1,300 tunnels, this is what just exploded, you know. It is made of, of those 1,300 tunnels, it represents 300 miles of tunnels. It's a city. It's a fortress. It was built for one purpose. It was not built to benefit the people. The reports you hear about where this headquarters was under, this hospital and this, it's all because the Hamas agenda which is an ancient spirit. Some liken it to the, you know, Amalekites and also to Haman. It's, a, it's genocidal, and it has one intent. You've heard, and I'm sure you've heard, chants in the, from, the, from the river to the sea. That rally of, of pro-Palestinian is not freedom. It's exile, remove every Jew from the river to the sea. It's only one. So it's a, it's a, it's a principality, an ancient issue. And this is now a conflict. So it's a big conflict. And uh, so I'll give you uh, some updates. And if you want to write these down, they're, they're safe. What I didn't understand about intercession is I have no authority. All I can do is represent the one in authority with the word of God that, will, that is the only thing the devil will listen to. Jesus never used himself and his identity when he was challenged. In fact, I just read today. I just love the Bible. I just read today. John the Baptist, they're saying, well, who are you? Are you, are you Elijah? And, and, and he's just saying no. He never, everything the devil does is to try to bring self-identity to your mission and connect you to the mission. Because you and I, we're, he's working through us, not because of us. And there's a trickery of hell subtly. First temptation of Jesus by the devil was if you are the son of God prove it. And that's a challenge because identity is really wrapped up in what I think others think of me. But that doesn't work in this new coming age that we're entering into of, of, of Lord and authority. So I found the Bible works. I found I can say the scripture out loud to my father and everything in between me and my father listens. 
And it affects the way I feel in my emotions, my mind. It affects the day. It even affects situations beyond my reach. It is amazing. Psalm 2, Psalm 110. Very big, perfect declaration psalms. Psalm 2, Psalm 110. I just read them out loud. I'll, I'll, I just read them out loud here. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? Well, that changes my attitude about everything. They're all raging and plotting, and it's vain. It's empty. And what's the purpose? Let's cast away their cords from us. And against the anointed one, against the Father. And so, you just, you fill your, you fill the space that you occupy, first in the mind and in the emotions, with the living Word of God, agreeing with God the Father, accomplishing through the Word of God what He's doing on earth at this hour. You don't tell him what that means. You just say, and when he begins to refer to you what this might mean, you can then say, I can see you do that. I have, a, I have faith for that. Psalm 183, we, excuse me, Psalm 83, we looked at that at the very beginning, which is a, a, is a, is a real, really uh, in, in, insightful psalm. I don't want to go into any of these. Then if Psalm 83 asks that God would deliver Israel from the plots and schemes and confederations of man who want to dispossess them from the land as he did in Judges 4 through 8. He refers to the people, the principles, but it's, 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 in, it's very insightful because if you begin to see one of the ways when God fights for a people throughout the Bible, he uses supernatural means to bring about supernatural outcomes. It does not have to be the destruction that man does when he tries to sort out what God's doing. He just, you know, have you remember the phrase when uh, Moses said to uh, Israel, God said to Moses, I'm going to drive, I'm going to send my hornets among you and I'm going to drive them out. Now you can imagine a hornet and what it is, is it would remove the inhabitants without destroying the infrastructure. That's why they could possess cities they had not built, vineyards they did not plant. There was uh, the way confusion comes into a, a battle. Like we're in Second Chronicles 20. That's very important. You can read that out loud unto the Lord. The story of three cousins coming to displace Jehoshaphat and Judah and Jerusalem and how they came before the Lord saying, we look to you, and then God gave them strategies. Stand, position yourself inside of salvation. Stand up inside of salvation and see salvation. That's how you'll win this battle, because the battle's mine. Get inside of my salvation. See salvation. What's the word for salvation in the Hebrew? Yeshua. I know somebody by that name. Yeshua. So, when that happened, God turned the enemy against the enemy. And the enemy destroyed each other. Until by the time they arrived, which I believe we will be seeing next year in incredible ways, witnessing what God did that was done in secret that we couldn't see, but our secret praise was a part of our part. They were all dead and rich and spoiled. And it was just, it took three days to gather the wealth off of the slain armies. Now, for me, I believe there are times those will not rise, but I believe that many times God makes men to fall like he did for Saul of Tarsus and say, flat on your face, dude. You insolent, proud, arrogant, right, self-righteous man. But that's not who I separated you from your mother's womb for. I separated you as a, a, an apostle of, my, of mine. And so now I'm interrupting. I'm interceding. I'm interjecting myself into your path. You're on the way to Damascus <laughs> to take my sons and daughters back to Jerusalem, to persecute them, to enslave them, to kill them. Not anymore. It's hard for you to kick against your purpose. And he said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. What do you want me to do? He said, get up and go to the city and it'll be told you. And begins a lifelong. When we were praying around the borders, we started up in up at Lebanon at the Haifa 
and along uh, to the Syrian border, and then down Jordan border, then down to the Egyptian Gaza border. When we were uh, looking at one of these, uh, there was an army outpost, and now made into, it was made for a museum. You could look into uh, uh, Syria, and on a clear day, you, or at night in a clear day, you could see the lights of Damascus. And we, what you do, and this is what, what Diana was doing so powerfully, you see, what we're talking about is something you can do, I can do. And rarely is it effective together until we each learn to do it ourselves and enjoy it. We can prophesy. We can speak into what the Spirit's saying. So I heard the Lord say, just as a terrorist left my town of Jerusalem to arrest my people, and I withstood them in the way before Damascus. So those who would come from Damascus to destroy my town and my people, I will withstand them. They will fall to the ground and rise. I'd know a terrorist no more, an apostle called forth. So there's this, this redemption. God is full of redemption. I don't know what that always means, so I don't try to tell him. Because if it was, if God had listened to my prayers, probably only Cammie and myself would be living still on the planet. You know, I would just be killing everybody. Just thinking that would be the, you know, it's not like you kill anybody. You, know, you just, just frustrate their future. Just don't let them have success. You know, it's, it's the same thing. But thank God, I'm not God. And neither are you. <laughs> neither are we. There's one God, there's one man, one king, one judge, and that's Jesus. So, uh, Here's something you can read. Zechariah chapter 12 and 13. Now, what I'll do is I just read these scriptures aloud to the Lord over his people. And Israel is very much a focus of Zechariah. And it's very powerful. It speaks of warfare. It speaks of victory. It speaks of putting horses into confusion, riders into madness. It speaks of a people beginning to recognize that they are powerful as an army because of God, which is the first sign that you're becoming God-aware again and not army-aware. And then they, he gives a spirit of, of, of grace and supplication upon the land. And they begin to look upon him whom they pierced. And then they begin to mourn individual, a corporate repentance in individual heart repentance. Which is not, for me, I see salvation. I see Romans 12 or, 12 or 11 happening right in front of, this could be a great move. Chapter 13 talks about he'll give a fountain in that day for cleansing. Sin and iniquity and idolatry will be put aside. Idolatry is anything that is the work of our hands that we put our trust in for our future. It could be anything and everything. It has nothing to do with a statue. It, but all of a sudden they go, no, no. And, and it is a, a cleansing, a purging, a fire, and a third are saved. Now that always is a word over any generation. Listen, if a third of Israel got saved today, we'd be talking about two, billion, two million people. You imagine two million Israelis who had not faith in the Lord begin to say, I found the Messiah. We're no longer going to persecute or reject. We're no longer going to hate. We're no longer going to let the wounding of the Christians mar our vision of our Messiah. He's our Messiah. What's going to happen? What I see, what I pray, because the scripture makes me think far beyond what I can ever have the courage to think. God's going to do some great work to release Israel to himself, the church alive. And at that point, separation will be, lead to probably great persecution. But I think in the midst of that, there'll be great victory. And I don't see that in a few months, maybe a few years. But it doesn't matter what I see. The Bible, when, when you read the scripture back to the Lord, he isn't listening to your opinion. He's listening to what he said. And he's saying, I've got someone in agreement. Uh, I'll stop there. Delin, I was going to do Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And I was going to do Revelation chapter 5, verse 12, which are the declaration that we are made to be kings and priests to our God.
You see, if, if Jesus, who is the king, is a priest, and is, he's continu continuing as the king of righteousness, king of peace, he is uh, Zechariah chapter 6, which is such, it's the last of the prophets that are, that are speaking in the, in the rebuilding of the temple, second to last in our Bible record recording. And he talks about this king priest that's going to come. And, he's, and it's an act of prophetic with a crown. It's, it's totally like you're just going, whoa, there he is. There's our Lord. Well, if he holds that position and we are being conformed into his image, that's where we have to learn who he is in his resurrected, glorified, king, priestly ministry. That's why it says that we will be kings and priests on earth. Now, if I'm a king and priest on earth, I have no authority but from the authority of the king and priest in heaven. I have no ability. The more I abide in Jesus, which is the key of intercession, the more I abide in his word, the more the word of God abides in me, the more I am living in submission, fellowship, all sufficiency, rejoicing, taking pleasure in who he is, letting his word speak as far and big as it wants, then it begins, my prayers get caught correlated. I begin to say what he says, pray what he prays, and step into that. And it's just so beautiful. So here's four verses, because now we have to go backwards. We can't jump into this level of enforcement. We soon will and are. Whenever you read the scripture, you take a scripture God gave over one of your sons and daughters when they were young, a promise he broke, a chapter, and just begin to read it unto the Lord and say, Lord, I just want to worship you again because your word is truth. And I just wanted to declare what you said and how the impression it came to me that it was for my son, my daughter. I just want to worship you with it. Heaven stands up. Heaven takes attention. Nobody's listening to heaven. Why would we need to anymore? We have the news. We have information, constant propaganda from every angle of every person, of every part. You, so anybody that says, oh, had to find this again. I want to declare this is really true, what you said. I believe it. I can't produce it. I failed. I tried. Everything went wrong. I don't understand it. I'm so much older. Everybody, everybody behaved poorly. But it's still the word of God, and you're able to perform what you say. I worship you. That is the confession of our hope. That is the one thing we're called to hold in Hebrews chapter 10 and chapter 3. The one thing. Everything else is done for us. And all we're doing is appropriating what the Word of God says concerning the Son. And this is eternal life God gave us in the Son. And we're appropriating it. But the one thing the Son wants to find and heaven wants to hear, and I will promise you, your spirit will come alive, your soul will brighten up, and your strength will come back in your step, is when we say back to God the things he said to us in worship, adoration, expectancy, trust, gratitude, and that breaks free. So that's where we're headed. We are there now. We are there now. But let me just, in a short window, point out the obvious. Why both... Israel has failed to re enter into their relationship with the Messiah. And while we are failing to enter into this resurrected relationship, we don't understand what it is that first had to happen. So in uh, Ezekiel 13.5, I'm just going to pull up verses. The whole chapter, every one of these chapters are contextual, so it's very worth it. So Ezekiel 13, 5, we hear these uh, famous statements. This is God now. God is seeking. God is speaking. Can I get to Ezekiel 13, 5? All right. I guess I started a few earlier. You have not gone into the gaps to build a wall for the house of God, of Israel, to stand in the battle on the day of the Lord. They were prophesying good news, peace, when there was no peace, words that they came up with their own hearts. Prophets were creating a, a conflict with God, and God was saying, I need you actually to get into the gaps, and I need them to be built up. Instead, they whitewashed them. They put them up and made them look like, the, you know, California homes, stucco. 
chapter 22, verse 30. God speaks, uh, and it, these are, you didn't do this. Now he's saying, chapter 22, verse 30. I, I didn't bring my glasses up, or I just start reading. We good? There we go. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap. Again, there are apparent, obvious breaches in society, in our land, in our nation, in our, everywhere. And God, it doesn't take a prophet to see them. It takes someone, an intercessor, to fill them with themselves in holding agreement with the Word of God and the, and the, and the work of the Lord. And he said, I saw it. They could stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. That I should not destroy it. But I found no one. This is our Lord. God speaking in the fullness of himself. So now go to Isaiah chapter 59 verse 16. And uh, next we'll go to 60, Isaiah 63 verse 5. So just... Uh, so we, if we're talking about we're kings and priests... We were slaves, but now we've been put in position of being kings and priests. It's, we're in a school that's demanding to all of a sudden learn the ways of the king and the ways of the priest. And, and he didn't say, and I'll choose out of this redeemed body uh, one of the tribes and make them my kings and priests. No, he said, all of them. That means all of us. We may not be, we will be participating in as far as we would desire to be involved. And he saw, this is the Lord speaking again, there was no man. And he wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him. And his own righteousness, it sustained him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and as a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Now, again, Delin brought that up so perfectly that this Jesus, when he went to the cross, was going for war. He was going to re submit himself perfectly to the Father so that the enemy would lose all claim to humanity and he would destroy him who had the power of death through death and deliver us who through fear of death all our life were subject to slavery. But he couldn't find a man. Verse 16, I looked for a man. Back to 16, please. But there was no one. So here is the key. Now we're going to get into the strategy of heaven. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him. This is, do you know what the arm of God is? Jesus. It's the arm of God. I'll show it to you in just a moment. So now go to chapter 63, verse 5. Again, each of these are chapters worthy of re reading them aloud to the Father in his presence and unto the Lord and allow it to expand because it's all in context and this is the highlight verse. I looked, but there was no one to help. And I wondered that there was no one to uphold. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation for me, and my fury, it sustained me. So it was apparent before creation, God knew. But he's making a point because he's longing for a nation to be his nation in fullness. And now he's longing for a people to be his people in fullness. So he states the obvious. It's kind of like when he calls to Adam, where are you? Of course he knows where he is. He needs Adam to recognize I'm hiding. So he's talking about, okay, now my arm will bring salvation for me. So here's... Uh, Well, there's two ways to go. We'll just, yeah, go. 
In John 12, I just, because I can use one verse here, to give context, everything, Jesus is the entire Bible, right? He's the Word made flesh. He's the Word fulfilled. Every scripture is made for Him. Every scripture is fulfilled in Him, and everything is to Him. He's, he's just everything. It's just so cool. So in John 12 is kind of a bit of an epilogue before we, we kind of wrap up his life. And verse 37, he said, but although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. And then verse 38, that the word of Isaiah, the prophet, might be fulfilled, which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now take us into one last portion, Isaiah 53, verse 1. Everything that's, the whole scripture must be fulfilled. Everything that was written about Jesus Christ will be fulfilled. It's, we are less and less going to have control over much of much as the, as the Lord begins to hasten the day and we begin to join in hastening the day of his return. It's just going to get Scary if we're looking at it naturally, but thrilling if we're looking at it from the truth and the word and so forth. So Isaiah 53, and then I've got to close, but, but you got, this is the personal part of intercession. This is the personal part of, of maturing, to become a king and a priest, to, not to become, but to be made, cause to be. That's what Jesus' job now is. I'm going to make you a king and a priest. You know, I don't feel like a king and a priest. I just like to be a slave and be paid for. Nope. Everybody's a king. Everybody's a priest. So here's the process. Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The arm of the Lord is the Lord Jesus. And now we see him in the secret mission to which had to be accomplished before the second mission, which he's currently involved in, the glorification of his church into likeness. This had to be. He shall grow up before him. Him, Jesus, the man, son of man, will grow up before Father as a tender plant. You know what? Today, in the prophecies, he's called the glorious branch. See, everything about his first advent was, was through the overcoming of humility and submission, to which all of us are overcoming the enemy today in that same posture of humility and submission to the Lord and his word. As a dry ground, he's, he has a root out of dry ground. The root of Jesse begins struggling, it would appear. He has no form, no comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He would not have a podcast. He would not be in the movies. He would not be attractive in the natural, in any form. We would. And I'll read a couple verses, and i got to jump to the end. He is despised and rejected by men, by his own. So if he came in that same form, we would reject him in the same way. But for the Spirit of God and the Word of God and a submitted heart. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The most, he walked through such sorrow, but he was so loved. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. It was kind of like, you know, I just don't know what to do with that. You know, how we do that in kind of, you know, responsive. We don't try to do that, but when we get into something uncomfortable, we just kind of, I don't know how to look at that, or I don't want to look, stare. Uh, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten of God. He's in that predicament because of what he did. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. This posture, this first intercession, which we will participate never to atone for sin, never to, un, never to add to what was accomplished or to try to, but we will be in the, we will be in some of the same places he was, suffer in the same ways, bear the reproach, of those who reproach him. So we will 
feel some of the impact. Because if we're going to stand in a place that Christ is not yet welcomed or ruling or sin is taking control or lies are holding their place and we position ourselves in Christ with his word and we begin to say, Father, we're so grateful for what you have accomplished in Jesus. That sin here has been forgiven. Grace is abounding. That in this moment, you are more than able to walk in and walk through this land. You can go into the 300 miles of Hamas tunnels like a hornet and have everybody running out of the tunnel by the afternoon. I worship you. That's what you want to do. I worship you for your ability beyond anybody's. And we're just going into this. So, verse 6, and then we have one more verse and we're done. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. This is the essence of sin. It began with Lucifer, transferred to Adam, and spread through the humanity. Everybody doing their own thing, their own way. Don't tell me what to do. Let me sort it out myself. When I know what I want to do, I'll do it. I did it my way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The word laid on him is the word intercession. He threw it all into Jesus. All our sin, all our willfulness, all our, I got to have my opinion. Don't tell me what to do. I'm not going to do something because somebody else told me to do. I'm an American. All that. All of it. And while that happened, it says he was oppressed, afflicted, but he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to his slaughter and as a sheep before a share is silent, so he opened not his mouth. That's why we are called to walk in a place of union and trust in the midst of opposition and injustice. So many times God said, I'd rather you just be there and trust me and try to make a stink and change the thing. So many times God says, if you can let me be your sufficiency, then I can fill the gap with you physically while you pull upon my sufficiency. That's the secret to marriages, children, employees, anybody. If someone under authority will stand inside of it, in just authority, but inside of Christ, in full response, finding his sufficiency, he says, okay, while you're there, you don't have any idea what I'm doing around you. I'm changing others. I'm changing others. Changing others. <sighs> Let's stand. I should stop here. This is where the Lord is right now. Intercession starts with accepting what Christ did for us. Out of the state we, he finds us and the state we can continue to choose to go back to. Intercession happens every day. A husband and wife continue to walk with each other or children with their parents or we with the whatever. We place ourselves and say, Lord, I am where you place me. I have the relationships I've been given, the job I'm currently occupying, the house I'm living in or not living in. And here I come and I find myself back to you. You've made a way for me. You are my way. I come into your glorious presence. I accept what you accomplished. You took all of my stink, my sin, iniquity, willfulness, sickness, disease, death, all the offenses that I've been offended by and all the offenses I brought. And here I am, by your blood, I come into your presence and I thank you. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Can you tell him you're grateful? Did he do this for you? If he did, tell him. If this is truth, say it back to him. The life that we want change will never change until the life inside us has come from the heaven and not from the earth. He's, he did it for me. He forgave me. Born from above. Born from above. Made anew. 
Wow. Put your imagination here. Please don't. There's a, there's a trans. I could not have come out of the hole I found myself in, having served the Lord with perfection as I considered according to the law, had not my God said to me, submit to my word and who I am and stop your stuff and return to me. And that was humility to accept truth against circumstantial evidence and submit to behavior that I felt I had no right to have to do. And obviously I didn't, because I wouldn't. But I said, oh God, I want out. I have no other place. You're the only hope. I want to return. Thessalonians, we read Titus. We read this today. And in this one description of, of, of the new birth, I want to read it over us. Lord, just lift up your hands, please. Do you want something? You don't have to go home sad. We can be glad. You don't have to go home mad. We can be full of joy and expectancy. We can be looking forward like the uh, Father, our children are returning. Our finances are returning. We've been come into covenant. God has gone forth and the victory has been won. I accept the victory has been won. You see, we, it, this is the faith. We've got to put our faith here. This is the, without this exchange, the rest of it is just functionary. Oh, 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 Jesus. Oh, Jesus. We love you, Lord. All right. Lord, I thank you. I couldn't find it. I praise you. Say these words with me and I'll let us all go home. And please take the scriptures, any of them that refer to something, stirred something, pray them out loud to the Lord today, tomorrow. Whoa, Jesus. Let's say together, Heavenly Father, I accept the testimony you have given concerning your Son in all scriptures. That in the Son, I have life. Apart from the Son, there is no life. I accept this testimony of your Son. Therefore, I receive eternal life in every aspect, in every area, in every relationship. I receive your scriptures your spirit, and all that you've accomplished in my salvation, in my calling, in my inheritance. I am accepted in the beloved. I am accepted in the beloved. That's Abraham faith, right? I am accepted inside the beloved. Whoa, praise you. Praise you. For some of us, the Spirit of God's coming in powerfully to say, that's right, son. That's right, daughter. Let no other man tell you who you are. Let not your circumstances define what you've been. I have declared you accepted in my beloved son. Whoa. Praise you. Praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. This is where we are. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Mm. Who is like him? Lion at the lamb, seated on his throne. Oh, God. He's taking us. To the Lord of all, who is like you, the lion of the pull you up. He's pulling us. I agree. This is where I am with you. Mountains bow down. Paid 
for it all. Every ocean grows to the Lord of I just want to release a blessing. I want to be responsible with all our time. I want to release a blessing that would enable, by the power of the Holy Spirit, each of us to step into an inner, into a posture of prayer before the Lord, where we hold the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit holds us, as we hold the Word, as He holds the Word, and begin to fellowship in truth and spirit. And begin to experience from the inside the burning of our heart coming forth alive again. Our imagination being restored. Our image being returned in the sun. Returning. And, and, and getting up, being able to go to work with courage, face problems with certainty that though I face the problem, Jesus will follow me. He will be present with me. He will be the one I see in the midst of it. And he will be my overcomer in this problem. We're not talking about wiping things away. We're talking about overcoming everything out of the way. And I want to release that. Father, in Jesus' name, you called Jubilee your house of prayer for all nations. And for 39 years, you prepared us for this hour. And all of us in our journeys that have led to this hour. Now we ask... That Holy Spirit, as promised by Jesus and given on Pentecost, would be sent in a fresh anointing upon each of us in, to enter prayer with the living Word of God and the Spirit of God, bringing a believing heart and a confessing mouth with the truth. I declare in the name of Jesus that there will come living experiential touches as the hearts begin to burn and Jesus is seen in Scripture and we begin to turn and return. In the name of Jesus, take us as far as your word will carry us and may we see us beyond anything we're stuck in. May we be your kings and priests on this earth to reign with you. We declare this is your will and we anticipate growing up in it in this hour in Jesus' name. And if you agree with me, say amen. 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 amen.